Okay, hello. This is Sack King's Therapy, episode 36. Uh, so, uh, last episode, we kind of ended on a bit of a preview. Uh, I said we didn't have time because it, we already, we basically ran about two hours, just short of two hours, and I thought it was time to wrap it up. So, uh, this is kind of a continuation of the draft pod, but we're not going to be talking about the draft at all. We're going to be talking about the restart. Ooh. And with me to talk about it, as you just heard him, Bong. Hey. Okay, so this came out of nowhere for the most part. Like, we, I remember, I think we even talked about it on the pod and, you know, news, well, the podcast and news articles I've been reading saying that March is probably the best time to restart or they're going to try somewhere in January or February. Basically, whenever fans can get back into the arenas. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, December 22nd is when they're going to restart. That's interesting, to be honest. It feels a little too quick. And uh, to be honest, I think I thought March is a perfect time uh, for a restart. Now, my first initial reaction was, you know, the, the, the magic three words. What the fuck? Really? <laughs> like, you know, don't get me wrong. I've been pretty like. I mean, let's just say I've been not sad, but like kind of just there's no there's no NBA right now. It's it's the off season, and you know, I'm aching to watch some NBA basketball. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I would love to keep watching NBA basketball, but I do understand that players have to rest and just you know have a little bit of an off season to just heal up injuries and just uh, you know do their vacation essentially. And you know it just seems a little too quick. Yeah. You know, like literally the NBA finals was just a month ago, really. It might have even been shorter. You know, I can't tell within pandemic, you know, within the pandemic, time seems to just stand still most of the time. But it just feels like it hasn't been long enough. So, but the reason why they want to start on December 22nd is because of the TV contracts. Oh, no. Now, I don't remember the exact number of games. I think I want to say it's 73. Basically, in the contracts with um, local TV stations and with uh, you know TV networks, is that basically they have to reach the minimum of seven. I want to say seventy-three. We're just going to say seventy-three games in order to get the full amount of their TV contracts. So their idea, the rationale is that if they hold off till January or March, they don't know if fans are going to be allowed to go back into the arenas. So like that kind of Basically, they're betting on whether or not they're going to lose money. And if they're going to lose money either way, uh, they should rather just start now so they can at least secure that TV money and let in fans whenever they let in fans. I see. Uh, it's always going to be a money thing, I guess. I know, I, shocking, I, right? Yeah. I think I, I forgot what article I saw, but I think they lost close to a billion after all this happening so well however don't forget <laughs> china the china incident is actually involved in that number mm, so I see. There, there's that too yep let's not forget about them so the idea is that they basically want to at least guarantee that they get the 73 games in mm-hmm. and then just again if fans get let in they get let in they just can't bet the season on just fans because they could wait till March, but like the governors or like the federal government might say, oh no, fans are not allowed to attend uh, 
events, then what the fuck? Like you lost a, a good chunk of the season already, and you're not getting that TV money. Now, how is this gonna work when the if the NBA would start? Are the are the players still gonna travel to each stadium and play there, or they are gonna have... be traveling? Yes, I see. So there's not gonna be a even bigger bubble. <laughs> No, the bubble experience from a lot of you know players that or uh, reporters that I've talked to uh, the players is that it was a pretty miserable experience because you're yeah. stuck in one place basically. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you're not doing that with you know thirty teams for six months. Like they barely survived what four months or three months or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, so like they're not going to survive the like the entire season, and you know that's understandable. And I imagine that the NBA is going to take the right precautions, but there might be one or two of these cases where you know someone is out there doing something, and they or they players might not do anything wrong, but like let's just say a random TV crew member was out partying and got you know the COVID and bring it back to the players. It's a very they're playing with some dangerous fire right here right now, so. Yeah, especially with winter here. Um, yeah, COVID cases have been rising lately, and uh, yeah. I, I thought Trump he said he solved coronavirus. Oh, did he? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. That's what I heard. <laughs> I guess I was wrong, but no. In all seriousness, yeah, it's it's gonna there's gonna be a peak soon in uh, Corona cases, and uh, we'll see how the NBA handles this because. I do want to see basketball, but at the same time, we need to protect people and the players as well. Also, if this was to go down, you have the draft on November 18th. And Dear I think free God. agency is literally like a week after that. And then, you know, you have about two weeks before training camp because training camp has to start on the 1st of December if this Dear. is going to happen. Dear God. So it's if this ends up going down, you have basically it's gonna be, let's just say it's gonna be a bit of a clusterfuck towards the end of November. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> it's gonna be insane if this happens. Yeah, I mean today's Halloween. It's literally barely a month and three quarters away. <laughs> if, I, if I know yeah. this happens. I mean, again, I'm happy that, you know, NBA basketball would be back, but I want these players to actually, like, get the right amount of rest. But don't forget, the Warriors, the Hawks, and the the other eight teams that did not make it to the bubble, they haven't played in, you know, what is it, nine months, not nine months, seven months at this point, almost eight months. So Mm -hmm. they're aching to play. And, you know, we'll see how this works. And... You know, expect a lot of load managing if this ends up going down. Like LeBron might not even play on the first first month. <laughs> like <laughs> it's a, it could be a real thing. Just because LeBron has played so many games, the man needs some rest. And mm-hmm. you know, Ka- I doubt Kawhi is going to be playing all that much either. Oh yeah, we'll have to see. Yes, we shall see how this one develops. Uh, I think the NBA Players Union did reject the proposal and wants to start an MLK Day. And we shall see how what happens with within that time frame when this this conversation might be a little outdated, you know, by tomorrow or by Sunday. Um, so we shall see. Uh, we're recording this on October thirty first, so you know, 
a lot of things can happen. We but and we shall see. Yep. We shall see. Okay. Well, moving on just a little bit to, you know, uh I guess Sixers news. I don't know how to translate I guess NBA news. Uh, you know, Daryl Morey is now the president of basketball operations for the 76ers. What are your what were your what was your reaction? I forgot they even did they even need a GM? I did their GM uh, leave? So that was kind of my question. It was it was like, wait. So what does Elm Brand have to say about this? <laughs> like, yeah. because Elm Brand had been saying like, oh, this whole this whole time, like basically, I'm wasn't really the, the decision maker at all. It was a lot of other people who had the final say on, you know, the decisions within the organization, and and basically he was kind of almost like a consultant, even though he was technically the GM. And that this year, he finally has some say. Then all of a sudden, Daryl Morey just comes in, and and then now what? <laughs> you know? Gee, well, they gotta fix that front office a little better, because, yeah, that's, that's a little confusing. <laughs> I will die on this hill. Like, as much as people have criticized the Vlade Kings, has the... 76ers front office since uh, Sam Hinkie was fired that much better? Like, uh, not sure. I, I'll say that they've been better just because they did, you know, get Jimmy Butler. And, you know, you can argue about the Tobias Harris trade. They did get a, a relatively yeah. talented player, but they gave up a lot. But, like, you know, I, I don't think they've been that much better than the Kings under Vlade. Then, you know, it's... Of course, they have two generational talent. Well, not eh, one generational talent and one very, very good talent. And yeah, like I, I don't. Although, like you know, beyond that, they really haven't done much. And they've done things that have kind of screwed that you know set the team a few years back. You know, the Markel Fultz trade, not seeing the red flag. You know, of kind of like his personal issues and again trading. Trading for Tobias Harris, even though he was likely going to join you in the offseason. Letting Jimmy Butler go and and JJ Reddick, by the way. Like yep. these were horrible moves. And then, you know, <laughs> you surround two guys who can't really shoot with more guys that can't really shoot. Like, what was the thinking about I don't know what the thinking was, but beyond that, you know? Right. Yeah, they were given pretty much they, they set up and get were given everything to them pretty easily and the way they played it out it's yeah it could have, to be honest a lot, a lot has could have been done differently and maybe you know they could have been champions maybe i think if they had jimmy butler like they'd be pretty close yeah like honestly like just looking back they shouldn't have they probably shouldn't have made the tobias harris trade like if they have Kettler Landry Shamet, they could afford they could have afforded to you know keep or le- let JJ Redick walk. It's just that they don't have shooters and they don't have a, a real shot creator outside of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons really isn't that guy either. Mm-hmm. And you know, like granted he was gone during the playoffs, but do they really win the series against the Celtics with Ben Simmons anyways? I'm not. I don't think so. No. Yeah. But yeah, like of course, and we shall see what Darren Morey does. Now you might think like, oh, Darren Morey, he likes to shoot threes, he likes to run fast, he likes to play small. I, you know, like sure, he he might try to do that, but 
But I think he's a guy that is best at just adapting to what he has. And I think he will find a way to build around Simmons and Embiid. And if it does really doesn't work, he's creative and he will find a package for one of those guys. That would be really interesting. I want to see what uh, trades that could happen if that does go down. You know, there was a player that I think I would like to think Daryl Moore did not want to trade when he was in Houston. Chris Paul. I know. He's out there. Yeah. There are packages available team. for him. He's looking for a team. Maybe yeah. Buddy would want to go there now, too. Uh, well, you know, they did hire Dave Yeager, and yeah, <laughs> they don't I get know. along. Not, not to say that that's the real deterrent, but like it's a lot less likely because of that. Mm-hmm. They have, they have, you know, what, some beef, and uh, yeah, like you know, like they have options to be able to bolster their roster. We shall see what Daryl Morey does. And again, he is per, he is great at just adapting to what he has. You know, mm-hmm. he can, he's really good at making lemonade out of lemons. Or when life gives him lemons, he makes lemonade out of them. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the saying is. Yeah, I, you kind of lost me there. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, let's get back on track. Let, let's. Well, we're not going to talk about the Kings just yet. We're actually going to talk about Mike D'Antoni, the other oh, part yeah. of the Rockets that was, you know, designed or fired. I don't know which one. This was yeah. kind of weird to me. So he joins the Brooklyn Nets staff under Steve. Nash, what was your first reaction to this? Uh, I mean, we've been saying that, you know, Mike D'Antoni is that kind of head coach that any team would love to have. And uh, him signing as an assistant coach for the Nets under Steve Nash, uh, I was kind of confused because I would say in my opinion. I don't know how Steve Nash's coaching is, but I thought, you know, Mike D'Antoni would have been the head coach and, you know, Steve Nash maybe learned from Mike D'Antoni and, uh, you know, work it out that way. Wasn't Steve Nash uh, coached under Mike D'Antoni at one point too? Oh, yes, he was. He During his MVP years. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's kind of weird just because Mike D'Antoni is probably much more qualified for the head coaching job than Steve Nash is. Well, you know, the, the thing with head coaching in the NBA is that the head coach is not always the guy that does everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, like, the assistant coaches, like, like they separate the duties amongst the assistant coaches. And, you know, the head coach is primarily kind of there to either organize everything or they're just there to talk to the superstar be able to communicate with the superstars to be able to handle the superstars and you know like it you know this could be just a label thing more than anything maybe he's just you know the Kyrie handler and the durant handler like and then everyone else do, do the coaching and if you've heard uh Kyrie and kevin durant talk on their podcasts you know everyone can be the coach you know so it's uh it's a weird situation but Mike D'Antoni is a very good coach, and I have no doubt he'll be a very good assistant coach. And, you know, Jacques Vaughn is still there. He can get the guys to play. He can probably talk to, like, the role players, like, get you know, get them to fall in line. And Steve Nash gets Kevin Durant and Kyrie to not be total toxic dumps, basically, on the team. <laughs> Talent be damned. But 
You know, like, I think it's going to be a very interesting situation, and I do actually see this working out. Yeah, I could see it working out. It'll be an interesting season for the Nets next year, but now for the Rockets, I wonder what they're going to do with an empty GM spot and an empty head coach spot. I think they just promoted whoever was under Moray, and then for the coaching spot, I think they hired Steven Silas from, I forgot what team. But, like, he is a very well-regarded coach. And the issue with the Rockets now is that the owner is apparently broke or a billionaire. He still has money, but, like, he's he's uh, he's kind of, like, begging for money at this point, apparently. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't – it was the an issue, like, towards the end of, like, the CP3 Harden run because, like, they try to get under the luxury tax. And, like, they let like, a guy like James Ennis go for no reason. And – you know, they lost against the Warriors, but like Maury has been working under a lot of restrictions in terms of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we shall see what happens. That is a very volatile situation. And there's been a lot of talk. Both Russ and Harden could be gone by the trade deadline. Oh, man. Queen slate. <sighs> Would you want to trade for Harden? Gee, we we would have to give a decent bunch, huh? It would probably have to include Fox in there, and I'm I'm queasy about that. Yeah, that's that's pretty much our whole team at that point. We're half our team. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like Harden, but we already you know settled in with the rebuild stage of having this team as of right now and you know i want to see it play out for a season for once and yeah train for harden that's in my opinion taking the easy way out and honestly like i you know i'm not sure harden he i imagine his game could age well because he could like learn a post up and probably you know start shooting more mid-rangers but he is getting up there in age and he's a guy that if he loses a step it's gonna get kind of ugly. It's not gonna get like Russ levels of ugly, but like, you know, he's he's gonna get up there in age, and we shall see like how is how the you know the latter half of his career um, ends up being. And so yeah, that's why I'm very queasy about training Fox for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, the last part of uh, basketball news, Kings news. Uh, so I cannot find the post, but I do remember seeing a post of, uh, basically it was something along the lines of Bogey was saying something like about buying something and saying maybe like it's a little too expensive. And then Buddy says, well, with your new contract, you got money. Or he didn't say like, if you're in the new contract, like, but he said like, well, you can afford it now. Now the implication is is that there's already a there may be already a contract in place that he's verbally agreed to. What do you think? Huh. I wonder how much. Uh I'm hoping it's with us. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm not sure, you know, I hope it's with us too. Like I do really like Bogey. And you know, I again I'm not the I'm not a big fan of trading him, but like you know, if we do do a sign and trade with him and just get some young guys back, like say with the Bucks, we get DJ Wilson and Dante Divincenzo. I wouldn't hate that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't hate that either. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we were talking about potential trades the other day. Huh? We'll do it another day. <laughs> another we'll do another day. There's just too many possibilities. But, you know, hopefully, like, you know, Monty McNair actually see, sees value in him. And, you know, my kind of dream scenario is that we keep both Buddy and Bogey, at least for part of the season. We see, We play it out, see if it works. And, you know, worst case scenario... We trade him at the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. Like, get value that way. Maybe, like, entice a championship contender who thinks they're one piece away and just, you know, if they're desperate enough to trade for Buddy or Bogey, you know, go for it and see what we can get back for them. That'd be interesting. Personally, I like to to think that there's a lot of potential with this grouping. But like with you know the outside factors being money and you know starting and yes and elements like that complicate the situation. But I would I do think this can work and it's something that I would like to try and see if it works before I give up on it. Yeah. Yep. You know, us right. going back to playing fast, for example, like mm-hmm. you know Lionel Holland maybe you know really cleans up that offense. Like it could get really interesting. Well, we're going to have to see next Did I say Lionel Hall? I meant Alvin Gentry. I don't know why I get those two mixed up. (laughs) Well, it's like how I got Maury and Monty mixed up earlier. You know, um, it's totally not a race thing. It's just I, for some reason, always get Lionel Hollins and uh, Alvin Gentry mixed up. I don't know why. I've never just, it's just weird. They don't look alike. They don't even have a remotely similar name. I just get them mixed up. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a little weird. <laughs> I get yeah. names mixed up like Monty and Mori, but never never heard of that before. It's like I don't know why. I, I again, I just don't, they never even coach the same team. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I don't know what links them together. I swear it's not because they're black. There's way more other people that I would, could get that mix up with. It's just it's them two. I don't. I again, I don't know why. I see. Well, okay. uh, yeah, Go going on with the bogey. Yep, we're gonna have to see next season and see what moves the Kings will make because right now, not many news from the Kings at the moment. You never know. Maybe within the next hour, something might happen. Monty or... is really good at just not saying anything. And even when he says something, it's a bunch of nothing. So, you know, perfect, you know, great at just, you know, not saying anything. So, like, that's kind of, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's good because if they probably, it probably means that they're operating very well and nothing's actually getting out. Mm-hmm. But it's also very boring. Nice. Chaos, man. Yeah, I won't get the news right now. Um, not much. And it will probably stay like that until draft night. Or as uh, cl- the closer it gets to the draft, I think is when we'll see moves happen. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that is going to do it for the basketball portion. Um, as a little bit of a bonus today, let's do some good old-fashioned wrestling. Oh, boy. Hell it's in a been... cell. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's been a while since WrestleMania. It's yeah, it's just kind of like the timing's just never right for us because like 
it we're usually like bu- too busy to watch both watch these shows. So, you know, you know, every now and then we'll just kind of throw in a little bit of a bonus. And I did have you watch Hell in a Cell, which did happen this Sunday, and mm-hmm. we're gonna only really review three matches because the rest of the cards a little iffy. But just to get out of the way, uh, Otis lost the Money in the Bank to the Miz, and I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the Miz, so I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, yeah. what, what did you think of it? I mean, Miz is a good talker as a wrestler, a little lackluster. Uh, but him winning the Money in Bank, um, yeah, I don't know what he's gonna do with it because it's either, in my opinion, you either have to cash in in the WWE uh, Championship or the World Heavyweight, and I cannot see either of them losing it anytime soon. Yeah, it's uh, that's the like it was the same thing with Otis. Like at well, at the time Otis won, the Fiend was the champion. I think no, Braun was the champion. I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like I never we never saw that, and he never even teased cashing it. Or no, he did. He did at one point actually, but like it never was believable, and it doesn't really improve with the Miz. Like, he just doesn't seem like a believable threat to either Randy or Roman. No. And I'd be surprised if he somehow cashed in and won either of them. Which is kind of a sad situation because Money in the Bank used to be so exciting. But like, nowadays it's like they just don't know what to do with it anymore. I just don't know what happened. Yeah, like I said, I don't... There's only really two choices, and you just gotta cash in at the right time. And however the story goes, it's however the story goes. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see how that one develops. But oh, also, someone people have uh, also been saying it's basically 2011 again because Miz won Money in the Bank in 2011, and he cashed in on Randy, oh. and Survivor Series takes place on the exact same day. <laughs> when Miz cashed in on Randy 10 years ago. Dear God. Let's not make that comparison. <laughs> I don't want that comparison either. I'm, I'm not excited. Again, I'm not excited for the uh, the prospect of Miz being champion again. Like, sure, he's been great as Intercontinental champion, and, like, I think he was the U.S. champion at one point, too, but, like, he's not... I don't think he's world champion material. I, I know some people love the Miz, I just think his offense sucks. Yeah. Uh, like vocally, I I like his um, I like his talk and I like his uh stories or some some of the stories, but that's about it. Wrestling wise, uh, he's yeah he's a little lackluster in that. Yeah, and we again we shall see how this one develops. Let's actually get into the show. Um. Let's all right. We'll do it in this order. Let's start uh, backwards. So we'll start with the uh, Drew McIntyre versus uh, Randy Orton. What do you think of this match? Yeah, in my opinion, oh, well, kind of boring. In my opinion, <laughs> in the start, uh, we we were talking about how uh, about Randy before this pod, and yeah, it's I don't know. It's the wrestling that kind of makes it a little boring with each other, especially Randy's. 
my big thing with Randy is always the quote unquote ring psychology. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not well versed in ring psychology. I, although I have seen some wrestlers utilize it very well. Randy Orton's not really one of them. And like when he, when I hear ring psychology with Randy Orton, it's just boring. Like he's just like he's slowly withering down his prey with a headlock or like he's doing an arm lock or something like that. And he just walks around like slowly essentially preying on his uh opponent. Like like a snake, like a viper, right? It's just boring, and like I just skip ahead to like the exciting parts because mm-hmm. he takes forever. Like he moves very slowly for the most part, and just again, he's a boring wrestler to me. And I'm yeah. honestly, I've never really gotten him. I'm, I'm one I, of those people. I mean, we we've been watching him pretty much for, for me all my white wrestling watching years, and you know, it's it's always the same. Now going into the match. We see that same, you know, Randy out in the field with Drew McIntyre, of course, and uh, it's, yeah, not toward, not until towards the end got it, it, where it got interesting. To be honest, what do you think? Um, yeah, but it's just, I, I'll be honest, I skipped like a good portion of the match. It just, uh, you know. I don't really have that many thoughts about it. Like, you know, Drew went through a table. That was kind of exciting. But then you know, they got back into the ring and just RKO for the win. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? That that was interesting to me because at first I thought Randy was going to do a, a flip off the cage onto Drew. Yeah, you you haven't watched floor. enough uh, Randy Orton over the years. <laughs> He's not no. doing that. <laughs> yeah, no. I would be surprised if he did a flip. I that'd be something I'd be surprised a 40-year-old Randy Orton would do. But instead they fought on top of the cage, which also was also a little surprising, but not as surprising as the flip. But yeah, with Drew uh falling down on the table and the RKO and stuff, it's overall it's I guess a normal Randy Orton match, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know the big thing is he's champion, which I did not expect. And yeah. the rumor is he is trying to, or like WWE's trying to do Edge versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. I'm not excited for that at all, and I hope that he loses a championship before that because boy, is that going to be boring. Now, I was saying that what happens is the Miz takes the championship. Now, oh boy, yeah, you go from boring wrestler to just more bad, almost, not, not, he's not bad wrestling, but again, another boring wrestler. It's two guys that don't excite me at all. I see. Yeah. We'll have to see. It's, uh, it's the first time I've seen Randy holding that belt in who knows how long. I want to say 2017 was when he lost it to, oh dear God, Jinder Mahal, you know, those days is he still in the lineup he is he was actually supposed to feud with drew but he got injured right as he came Ah. back which is really (laughs) unfortunate but you know i'm glad that didn't happen again another boring wrestler who doesn't really do anything has like two moves and you know slow plotting and just he's there because he's muscular i'll say that brandy orton's better than jinder mahal and miz i'll give him that much credit yeah 
Yeah. So, um, so there was that, and yeah, moving on to Sasha versus Bailey. This was a good match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really good match. Love the setups that they do with uh, all the equipment too, like chairs, ladders, everything, candlesticks. <laughs> there was just so many spots where, like, I totally just didn't expect them to do that. Like the the one big one that kind of like stood out to me was like. You know, I think I think Sasha was like punching Bailey on a chair, and Bailey somehow slips under, pulls Sasha's leg, and her yeah. she goes face first into the chair. That was really yeah. cool. Yeah, they they were really creative uh, with this match, and with both wrestlers fighting for that championship, it just yeah, it was it was a good championship match. Uh, I'd say for I forgot, yeah for quite a while for the women's side. Yeah, and like, you know, you add in like the story behind this. They have had so much history over the years. They basically had the best women's match of all time in NXT and probably in WWE overall. Mm-hmm. And like there there's just this overall story of like, you know, you know, we've been waiting for the betrayal of, you know, one of them. And it just never happened and finally it kind of happens limply in a way. I think I just didn't think it was as epic as it needed to be, but like the the story behind this and the history b- between the two really adds on to like the intensity and just you know and these two are very creative modern wrestlers who wrestle a modern oh god I burped okay <laughs> who wrestle a modern style and it it was probably you know in ring wise the best match of the night yeah i'd say so for sure and yeah, so Sasha Banks won the title, which really surprised me. I was expecting them to drag this out to WrestleMania. wasn't that wasn't that big of a fan of that just because it's too long from WrestleMania to be like dragging this on to you know have that epic climax at WrestleMania. But you know, this opens up a lot of possibilities with uh, you know Sasha and Bailey, and maybe Sasha faces someone else in between, and then they co- they go back to the Bailey feud t- towards WrestleMania season. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, your thoughts on it? On uh, the match or the match? I give it a good nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like again, it was. It probably was just the best match. It it had me on the edge of my seat, and you know, like they they perfectly utilize all the weapons in the cage, and yeah, it was great. Yeah, I'd say it's better than most matches I've seen this year, to be honest, both men and women. Yeah, and Sasha Banks is really like the MVP of this division. Like, she really sells really well. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, well, moving on to the opening match of, of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Jay Uso versus uh, Roman Reigns. Now, when I first when, when I first told you about this match... Did you expect Jay to ever win? Mm, to be honest, I I watched this match at as a like kind of blank slate, knowing okay. that either could win. Okay. Well, the the way I went into it is that you know I go into it knowing basically knowing that Jay isn't going to win because there he's, I'm sorry he's not taking it off of Roman. And 
it really speaks to how good this match was. Now, in ring wise, it was not the you know Sasha and Bailey, but in terms in storytelling, oh, they yeah. really made me like, oh wait, can Jay actually win? Jay might actually win this, and it really got me into it. Like just be, not really changing my mind throughout, but like this match made me like invested in the story. Now, still, I didn't think Jay was gonna win, but it really made me invested in the story and really got me into the match. What were you? What were your thoughts on this match? Yeah, first let me talk about the match. The match overall, it's I would say it's the regular Roman Reigns match. It's either a spear, Superman punch, and a back and forth. But the addition with the leather leather whip and kind of like that cuff match is it. That's what it's called. Strap. This is usually called a strap match. Yeah, strap match. Great additions to the fighting and wrestling uh, during the show, and uh, along with yeah, just combining with the story. I. Why didn't they do this sooner? <laughs> to be honest. Sooner in Roman Reigns' uh, yeah. career. Yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, to be honest, I mean, I haven't watched wrestling in quite a while, and hearing Roman Reigns being a heel, I thought that's kind of unorthodox, uh, in my opinion, that WWE would make him a heel because he's been a, pretty much a face throughout the times that I've been watching him. But, well, he's needed a heel turn for a while because they yeah. fuck because WWE have fucked up his face turn so badly. But after watching this match and after knowing that he's a heel, I think, yeah, this story and him being heel is one of the, probably one of the greatest moves I've seen WWE has done in quite a while. And yeah, it really just makes me think, like, my God, like, they've been holding this man back for for so long. Like, they've been giving him garbage to say on the mic, and you can kind of tell, like, he's kind of free of those shackles now. He can actually, like, I guess be himself in a way, and, you know, have his own, like, input into his scripts. And, you know, it's just, he feels like a real star at this point. Finally. I guess after all these years. And, yeah, like, now, to get back into the match, like they had the strap part, and then uh, there's one part where basically uh, Roman essentially chokes out Jay, but and Jay won't still won't say I quit and just start beat, and then just continues to beat the shit out of him to the point where Jimmy Uso, who is who is currently injured, I think he had knee surgery and is going to be out for until at least the end of the year, and you know he ch- basically he comes to beg Roman to basically stop. And Roman actually begins crying, and I just remember I I, I was like d- doing something else and, and and watching the show. After that started happening, I my full attention was on the show, and oh, yeah. and basically like yeah, so like they got he started crying, and then like basically Jay's like it's it's okay, it's okay, and then you know Roman's crying. All of a sudden, pulls Jimmy the in the injured Uso into a guillotine choke, and Jay finally says, "I quit." Amazing ending. Yeah, <laughs> kind of caught me by surprise, to be honest. Oh man, I for a split second you kind of forget that the match was not over at that point until Jay says, "I quit." <laughs> 
Oh man, yeah, that match, story-wise, I give it eight out of ten. Story-wise, I would give it ten out of ten. Like that was perfect. And okay. if it was just story, ten out of ten. What the match is just, you know, eh. Yeah, it was it was surprisingly polarizing online. Like some people like were kind of like, oh, the in ring match was boring. Well, it, the most of it was the story, and it really encap- it really captivated me. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm a little biased on that end, but like, yeah, story is good. Roman is really good, and oh, this yeah. and you know this sets up kind of like the Jey Uso kind of basically has to now be his kind of pseudo servant, kind of one of his henchmen now. And that that story is developing pretty uh, well as well. Well, developing on uh, you know going forward, and you know the rumor is is that they are trying to this tribal chief uh, gimmick for Roman is trying to build to the Rocket WrestleMania. That that's going to be very interesting going forward because. Yeah, we talked about it. You said that The Rock maybe not coming back. I well, like the the rumor is is that that's the plan, but mm-hmm. there's been no confirmation of like whether The Rock is interested or actually no, he is interested. But you know, The Rock is the most famous, most uh, highest earnings uh, Hollywood star right now, so he might not have time to do this. Mm-hmm. So. You know, my proposal, of course, is to somehow find a way to you know, skillfully drag this out. Don't just be lazy and drag this Jey Uso and Roman Reigns storyline out. Just, you know, be able to extend it all the way to WrestleMania and have uh, Jey Uso have a Kofi-esque level of um, a, a Kofi-esque level push, you know, to the main event of WrestleMania. Now that'd be even more interesting, in my opinion, because the story fits real well. Yeah, and either that or maybe even Big E. Big E could actually like win. Like, so my proposal would be like Jay wins the Royal Rumble, and then kind of like slowly, you know, just you know breaks away from the tribe, and you know maybe even beats Roman at WrestleMania. You never know. I could see that happening. Or you can kind of almost not completely replace him with Big E, but like Big E could win the Royal Rumble and like challenge Roman as well because Big E's got something with him. I mean, they're all good choices. So, however, yeah. as I teased with you uh, <laughs> before we started the show, we were talking about this before the show. I think what's really what's actually going to happen if Rock doesn't work out, going to be oh. Goldberg. Oh. It's going to be Goldberg. It was supposed to be Goldberg last year, actually. No. It's going to be Goldberg. <laughs> it's, and, yeah, it was supposed to happen last year, but, you know, I think co- yeah, COVID and Roman decided to actually sit out of uh, WrestleMania. You know, that was a missed opportunity. You, you know Vince is going to want to actually, you know, make good on that match. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that i would not be surprised you should not be surprised at all and hell he could come back one week before wrestlemania and just say i want to challenge you roman reigns okay they have a match and 
Hopefully, at least Goldberg loses there. I do not want Goldberg to win. Uh, yeah. No. No. Yeah. I, can we move on? I don't want to think about that anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll think. We'll th- we'll talk about it when it happens. Uh. Yeah. So. So moving on. Uh. You know. Last thing we're going to just go over, uh, wrestling-related. Vince McMahon is apparently going to have a Netflix documentary produced by... The, I forgot his name, but he's the guy who worked on the Fire Festival, uh, Fire Festival uh, documentary. Oh. And Bill Simmons. Hmm. The Ringer. He's going to be producing this show. Or this documentary. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Especially... Well, you said that WWE won't have too much of an influence on this. They will have an influence, but it is not clear how much they're going to be influencing this one. I see. So, yeah, something that they can't change as much would be interesting. Now, to a certain degree... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I want to see all the hidden secrets that Vince has hiding. I don't think we're going to get that much of it. I do want to hear, like, you know, like a couple... A condensive like story about like just his backstory, just like you know his because I've heard he is he's had a very he had a very traumatic childhood, which kind of explains how why he is how he is. Like traumatic childhood, a very kind of you know a, you know even more traumatic teenage years, and yeah, like he he's he has a very, he's a very interesting person, you know, you know morals be damned, I guess, but like. He, he is like, despite being somewhat just sleazy, or not somewhat very sleazy and somewhat evil, mm-hmm. he is a very fascinating person. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely watched that because I probably just get Netflix just for that. Like, I, I'm that kind of like, I guess excited for this. I, although I'm not excited for the WWE like spin they're going to put on it because I want them to kind of go into like maybe interview him about stuff like Owen Hart, like some of the wrestlers that have died under his watch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like to see what he thinks of them now. Like seriously. Yeah. We'll see what kind of questions they will ask. Uh, this might not be coming out anytime soon, huh? I don't think so. And you know, but Again, I'm excited for what comes out of it. I do want to just at least learn about his childhood and his teenage years, his formative years, because, again, a fascinating person. There are so many backstage stories of just how weird he is, I guess. (laughs) I I want that to be on full display. I see. Okay, well, that that's basically all we have for this week's pod. Uh, Just a little extra since we didn't we basically didn't come out with one last week. So, yeah, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it, and we'll definitely be back next week with hopefully more, hopefully news about, you know, the Kings, or hell, we might even talk more wrestling. Uh, we'll see. Maybe uh, Attack on Titan will come out I, as well. I was about to say that, and yeah, it might, it might come out before we record. Oh, maybe. So, yeah, we'll discuss uh, th- that kind of stuff on the next episode. Um, you know, see you guys on the next episode then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys later.